This is the Living Out Podcast, and I'm your host, Darren Steele. Now, what I do is what I practice. I help gay men live out their unique and vital role in society to lead others in creating a more balanced, evolved, and humane world. But of course, if you're not gay, you're welcome, because that's part of the point, part of my mission. But I'm a gay man, and I will be speaking to these topics on leadership, personal growth, and social justice. Are you struggling in your life right now with any part of your life, your career, your love life, knowing your purpose? Or are you at ease with who you are and making the best of your life? A lot of people come to me as a coach. They may want to work on a particular creative endeavor, but more often than not, there's something much more profound and foundational to the help they're seeking in working with me. And often it relates to the ego. They don't come to me and say, oh, hey, Darren, I want to work with you as a coach to, uh, to work on my ego. <laughs> I would be really amazed if somebody contacted me and said, I've got a real challenge with my ego. Can we talk? Um, that would be a very interesting conversation because I would have a sense of where that person might be coming from. But the ego is an interesting thing. The ego is I. The ego is first taught to us in the form of our name. And I spoke about this in the episode Fear of the Other in Defense of the Ego, where we're taught I, me, my name, Darren, that's my first possession, is my identity and my ego. And depending on your circumstances, how you grew up, either everything outside of you is other, and that's what I talk about in that episode, that the, the ego and, and the way we understand ego and possession and ownership sets us up in defensive mode or possessive mode and thus protection mode against everything outside of us, whether it be another person, another thing, or a group of people. And if we stay within the concept of the ego, our defensiveness is seeking belonging, belonging to a group, a safety within a tribal sort of mentality, a way of thinking that protects us and makes us feel like or believe that our ideology or our dogma or our religion or our politics are part of our, our defining egoistic identity that make us better than, superior to, the other. But what is the opposite of the ego? The universe we are of the universe, and this is not a spiritual thing. It's just we are organic, cellular properties of the universe. We come from the universe. And if we can be at home with the fact that the universe, and thinking a bit Zen, very Taoist here, but I'm going to explain more of these ideas as I go through the podcast. If everything is already available to us, and it's just a matter of being in the present moment and making choices 
about what we want to do right now and not being held back by the past or fearful of the future. We can feel at ease in our own nature because nature is the universe. Okay, sounds like I'm getting a little off track here, but let me quote Lawrence Bolt from The Tao of Abundance. From the standpoint of the ego, the universe is seen as the other. So just stopping the quote there. We've been brought up over the last several hundreds or thousands of years where we tried to separate ourselves from the universe because we didn't understand it. Perhaps it was the weather. Perhaps it was just other cultures and civilizations. So we started to put up defenses against that thing that we could not control instead of understanding that we are just as much a part of the universe as the universe is a part of us. So going back to the quote, the ego concludes that this other is against it and therefore that I must struggle to survive. So this original form of struggle as a concept to be who I am, to maintain the integrity of my identity, to keep what I own, my possessions safe. I must struggle against that thing, those people, that universe outside of me, that other, so that I can understand myself as separate from as opposed to part of. Now, I was thinking about this with respect to abundance and ease. And abundance is basically at its etymological root, flow, an ease, a flow. And to be at ease with yourself is the truest nature of abundance. Now, many people will think of abundance only in the sense of having, having possessions. And that's not what abundance means at all. You may have an abundance of things, but that's not what abundance truly means. Abundance is a mindset, a way of understanding and being and an ease and an acceptance that even if by comparative standards, which would not be used as a measure of abundance, by the way, but if you looked at someone who maybe had a $10 million home and three cars in the driveway that cost a quarter of a million dollars each, and you were living in a very tiny one-bedroom apartment with just the most minimal furniture and no car and no spare money. But if in your mind you were grateful for the cozy apartment that you had, for the love of the partner that you lived with, for maybe the dog that you got to spend time with every single day, for the quality of the work you were doing, for the love and companionship of the friendships that you have, you would have an abundant life. That abundance is your ease of being at home in yourself, in connection with the universe and everything that is, and the naturalness, the nature of everything. 
without being in conflict, without being stuck in worry or regret or shame, without having anxiety, a fear of failure or future events which have not yet come to pass. All of those things, whether it be past or future, are keeping you out of being in this present moment now. I want to read a bit more about being at ease with yourself from Lawrence Bolt in the same book, The Tao of Abundance. He writes, We are at ease with ourselves when we feel like we don't have anything to prove. When we accept that in our deepest nature we are no better, no worse, no different from anyone else. We are free to be who we are as unique individuals. If we try it the other way around, if we try to prove how unique, special, or different we are, without accepting our unity with the rest of life, we are always in a battle. So I see this as what I've talked about in some other posts. That this original binary of the ego versus the universe is the place where we started to create this otherness. And I talked about this just a few moments ago. And this otherness also includes gay men, LGBTQ people, people of color who are not like white people, people who are poor against rich people. When we see only this difference, we're in a battle. Now, what is the bridge, if not between the two sides, as in what appears to be the haves and the have-nots? It starts from within you and how you feel about yourself. And that's love. The love that you have for yourself is going to be the creative potential you have to bridge the gap That space between what you perceive as not having, not experiencing, missing, regretting, or anxious of, and being in the nature of the flow of abundance and taking action in every moment now with the vision of you living out your life in the way in which you wish to experience it. So to make this a bit more clear, going back to quoting Lawrence Bolt, when it comes right down to it, the ego's game is about trying to prove that it is worthy of love. Yet the only way that we can truly experience love is to step outside of the isolation and separation of the ego. We cannot retrieve love or acceptance for ourselves without at the same time giving it to and really acknowledging it for everyone else. This is not simply an abstract spiritual concept or nicety, but a logical necessity. End quote. When we feel alone, isolated, separated, our ego is fired up. It's me 
versus you. It's me versus the universe. It might even be me versus myself because of how messed up my ego is at the moment. It's thinking that I'm even the problem. I'm against myself. And when you're against yourself, that's the worst place to be in life. That's often where radicals live or people that are extremely hateful and find themselves perhaps in gangs or neo-Nazi groups because they hate themselves so much. All they can do is hate others. And that is the worst form of ego struggle is the, I am against me, I'm against myself. So it's sort of like we work up the ladder of starting at first having the love and acceptance for ourselves so that we can extend out to those in our immediate vicinity, you, a friend, someone like a co-worker, a relative, and then out to they, larger groups of people, the queer community, the black community, the people that are trying to enter the country because they're escaping poverty and war and famine. And finally, to the universe, the world, God is against me, or whatever. So in order for us to feel the acceptance for ourselves, we have to simultaneously feel, acknowledge, and give that acceptance to others. It's a necessity, according to Bolt. It's like you can't just have a little bit of love here, but hold it back over there, because then you're not truly loving. And loving in this sense is understanding that you are a natural part of the universe, and that you are an abundant creator. There is no need for you to feel pain. There is no need for you to feel regret or anxiety, other than you've chosen to create that story for yourself, to keep you out of the present moment, to keep you distracted from living your purpose and making the best of your own life. And to quote one more paragraph from Bolt, If my love ability is based on physical attributes, say, looks or strength, I may lose these with age. If my love ability is based on my accomplishments, my ethics, my knowledge, my charm, my status, my power, it is power, it is equally precarious. Right? When you base your love just on things external to you, or things that are ephemeral, you are going to be disappointed at some point because you can't hold on to those things. If you're a 21-year-old Instagram thirst trap model with six-pack abs and you're, you're making six figures because somebody sponsored you, how long will you have that? Because at some point, it's going to be very difficult to maintain your body. And if your self-worth is only based on your abdominals or how people are constantly hearting your status and saying, oh, you're so fucking good-looking, when that drops off or when that platform disappears, what happens? 
your ego goes into reaction and panic mode. Because you haven't created the self-love that while this may be what you do and this body might be what you are creating, your body and your Instagram likes or your millions of dollars are not who you are. Going back to Lawrence Bolt, and a quote, Finally, the only thing upon which my lovability ultimately, ultimately depends is my existence itself. Yet I cannot separate my existence from the existence of everything else. Recognizing this, we can give up the struggle to prove that we are worthy of love and say with Walt Whitman, I exist as I am. That is enough. I'm going to stop the quote there for a moment. I exist as I am. That is enough. Say this to yourself. I exist as I am. That is enough. That might be the most powerful self-belief affirmation I think I've ever heard. And it's so eloquent and so simple. I exist as I am. That is enough. If you really let that sit in your mind and in your heart, I exist as I am means I am a natural part of the universe. I am not separate from the universe. I exist as I am. That is enough. My existence is enough. Every choice I make in this moment is a choice. It's neither right nor wrong or good or bad. It is a choice. Yes, there will be actions, and how I respond to those reactions, perhaps from others, may have consequences, but every choice I make is a choice, and that is enough. Finishing off the quote, since we no longer have anything to prove, we can simply be and express what we are. Our natural strengths talents and abilities can then shine through, unimpeded by the struggle to prove we are worthy, we can embrace our natural gifts and put them to work. That's just so beautiful. Our natural strengths, talents, and abilities can shine through when we no longer have to prove anything, when we don't believe we have to prove our worth to anyone or anything, that we don't believe we have to do anything to be deemed worthy by anyone outside of ourselves, which is a requisite need of a weak ego. And when I say a weak ego, I don't mean that to make anyone feel bad. But an ego, when it's weak, is seeking attention outside of the individual in which it resides. Eckhart Tolle says, Ego is no longer ego when you know there is ego. And while the awareness that we have an ego, and ego is what causes us so much problems about how we believe or don't believe in ourselves, by recognizing that the ego is the problem, (laughs) and the ego is the enemy, so to speak, we can start to better understand it we can understand that our reactions or our fears to those things outside of us 
are the original teachings of what we learned as children, that everything is outside of us, that it's threatening because it's not who you are, but that's not necessarily true. Because if we choose to believe that, that everything is other and outside of us, then we are damned as, as a human civilization, because we will only be at ends and at war with each other. And until more and more of us embrace this idea that we are a natural part of the universe, and again, I don't mean anything religious or spiritual here, I just mean that we are all connected at at the level of the universe, at the level of the organic universe, at the level of the planet. Not one of us is better or less than another. That's not a binary we can choose or afford to have anymore. It's a long way off, I know. It's going to take some time. So what are your gifts? What are your talents? What are your strengths? And what are your abilities? And how do they support your true life purpose? Letting go of the need to be made to feel worthy by someone else, knowing that you exist as you are, and that is enough. You can embrace your purpose. You can embrace all of your gifts and strengths and put them to work by taking action in the now, not worrying about whether it's a right or wrong choice, or fretting about whether you'll fail because failure is only an indication that you're looking in the wrong place and you just sort of need to look over to the other side. Failure is an indication that you took action and failure is just a signpost that you're doing, that you're being creative. But it might not, as an action, have matched up with the vision you had for the outcome. And that's great because you know you can always take another action so that you can live out the best of who you are.